The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. In this session, what we try to do is just uh, give a testimony and what is, has been our journey uh, to meet the American church and how the American church can meet the Hispanic church. So basically, uh, what we're going to do is uh, tell the story about our life and how it's been the Lord shaping uh, not only my life, but my family and the church that I pastor in. Um, as you know, the, the title is When American Church Meets, Meets Hispanic Church. Uh, Cristo Vive is the name of the church. Uh, it's a multicultural uh, church. We have uh, around six, seven different uh, Hispanic uh, countries uh, that congregate with us. And give us an experience joining American church and see what are the barriers or what are the bridges that we can build to work together as one. Because that's that's the the, the Lord's command, work as a one. The the church is one body, that's right. Uh, uh, we supposed to behave as a, as a body and no different members doing uh, different things. Okay, uh, this is the summary uh, you have it in, in, in your uh, charts. But basically, uh, what we're going to do is telling how the joining uh, American church has been impacting not only their church, but our church and the community. I divided this, uh, this session in three, three parts. The first part is who we are. You, you need to know a little bit about our, our background and know uh, we are Colombian, my wife and me. My name is William, my wife is Ligia. We are from Colombia, uh, South America, not Colombia, South Carolina. Um, so this, this, uh, this is an illustration that where is the country? Uh, believe it or not, many people don't know where is located Colombia. So this uh, uh, picture shows uh, where we are coming from. So our journey started in, in our country. We came to the United States around 19, 20 years ago. We came from a Catholic uh, church, uh, that's the, uh, pretty much the, our background. And uh, when we moved to this country and we met the gospel, uh, we have kind of chalk, cultural chalk, and gospel chalk. Because um, the things that we uh, were teaching uh, are a little different than the scripture says. And one of the things is we don't read this, the scriptures uh, very often. That's right. So that give a burden because when we met the American church, we start uh, assisting to American church, and they teach us to read the Bible. Uh, what's kind of why we have to do that? What, what, that, that never happened in, in, in our country, and, and in the Catholic church uh, has been changing with the years, but uh, they don't teach us to, to read the Bible uh, as a daily basis. That's right. When we came to this country, uh, we met the Lord, and uh, I um, assist, uh, started assisting uh, an Hispanic church uh, that finally, at the end of the time, to, to this year, to this day, we are serving there. Um, 
I am a lay person. That means I don't have theological education. I don't have any theological preparation. I just was a person sit down, listen to the gospel, start working with the church. Uh, with the time, uh, our teacher, the, uh, the school teacher has to move. So they gave me the opportunity to work in the Sunday school. So I start working that. I was a really, really good challenge because I wasn't very good uh, English speaker and I have to learn. So I went to the school, to the community college and start uh, learning English in a better way. And I hope I am doing a good job. <laughs> okay, uh, then after that, the pastor of the church see a good potential in, in our family to reach not only the, the community, but reaching the, 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 the church members. So they invited me to be a deacon in the church. So I, I was a member of the, uh, the deacons uh, at that church. With the time, for different reasons, uh, the deacons has to move uh, because family issues, work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the pastor, the, the former pastor, has to move to, to another uh, city so we get along. So the Lord tell me, now you have to deal with the church. And I have no idea what to do. So the first thing we did was going to the association, the local association, and ask for help. Because I have no experience, I have no formation, nothing. Just be a good servant of the Lord, that's it. Um, and that's where our journey starts with the church. The, the church is located in North Carolina, of course. Uh, this is a map, uh, and our county is Rutherford County. Uh, as you know, I, I hear you know the area, is Spindle, Forest City, and uh, Rutherford. So the church is located in Forest City, but we are living in Spindle. Okay, this is the logo of the church. Uh, we start working with the church, giving the identity. We need the, 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 the pastor leave and the people feel lost. And I am lost too at that time. I was lost at that time. And I say, well, what are I going to do? One of the first things we did was working with a logo, giving identity to the church, that, that the people belongs to something. Okay. This is the church. This, this picture shows the, the church. Uh, was a little before. The only thing that you can see here is was painted, and that's it. This is our neighborhood. We have a beautiful story about our neighborhood. And you see, this is uh, what we start working with in the, in the church. This is a new picture. Uh, as you see, we work with the logo, with the church. Uh, we plan what to do, uh, what is the meaning of the, of the, the logo, and start uh, doing things like uh, pens and cards to let the community know that the church is there and is uh, for them. That's right. This is the, the pastoral family, and uh, I'm going to let my wife uh, talk about it. Uh, this is, we have four children, and our uh, older son is in NC State. Um, but I'm going to give you the time uh, to my wife. Well, when we came 21 years ago, we came with him as a baby, one year old. He was a one-year-old baby. Oh, 
he was a one-year-old baby, and um, he grew here in this uh, community, and uh, he was a blessing, and he is a blessing right now. He's in NC State, and uh, we had three, two more boys at that time, and this is Matthew and Diego. And next, well, the Lord just, uh, I say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done. That's it. Three boys. I'm not going to pursue more because we, we knew that we would have a call, and we, we would spend time with them. So we pray a lot, and that's how our, our, they started our journey. We pray uh, for a little girl, but it was not in our in our way. It was a God's way. And after I, I was talking, that God sent somebody to talk to me about foster care, and uh, foster care was something that I never considered, never thought about it. But I said, Well, Lord, if you want us to experience what is to have a little girl. I, we'd open our house for that. And we opened a house, and one of the things that my husband and me, when we were filling the application, is say, what race? And we thought about it, and I said, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So that was the first thing, it doesn't matter. And we were like, wow, we were both, it doesn't matter. Only we want a good girl. Well, everybody was thought, oh, you're going to get a Hispanic little girl. You're going to get a Hispanic little girl. We got the most precious Red haired girl. She was 18 months when we got her for foster care. We didn't know how long we were going to have it 10, 5 days, a month. And the Lord did what answered the prayer. And it was she, and a month later we had it, they told us, you can adopt her. And she is a red hair and this. And this has been the opening, an opening for a conversation. Every time, wherever we go, they see us. And they look at us, they see us, and, and they say, why is she had like this? And let me tell you something, and we share the gospel, and we share what God has done in yeah. our lives with that blessing. And uh, that's why I want to see, because I, I, I think they give it personal touch. It means a lot to me how God can answer a prayer. And this is our, our started our, our multicultural vision that make us not look at somebody in a different way. Don't look at somebody down or, or feel us down. We are the same. And, there, and, and this is, was the opening of what journey, eh, as he said. <laughs> okay, uh, just uh, I'm gonna add some. Sometimes I, I go with my daughter to Walmart or different places, and she turned to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, and the people turn around, you cannot be the daddy of her, because I am very Hispanic in, in all the sense. And I say, so one of the things that the people was surprised is the normally the American uh, adopt Hispanic uh, or different countries. In this case, was the contrary. The Hispanic is adopting an American, and that creates a window, a door to get another people involved in what we think. This the no 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 our vision is the God's vision. We are equal. You, we cannot see difference uh, between each other. So when I started working with the church, uh, finally the, the the community started talking to me. I started praying a lot. Uh, we were alone. Uh, as I said before, we don't have any experience dealing with the administration of the church. We don't know anything. So the, the first step was, uh, as I said before, try to get the identity. Uh, 
so we did that. The second thing we did is we went to the, the local association and start asking for help. One of the things that I think is very important is don't be ashamed to ask for help. Doesn't matter if it's American church or it's Hispanic church. If you uh, brothers need some help for translation, whatever, ask. I am sure that uh, we have hard to help, and this is important thing. The second part of, the, of this conversation is uh, why now and why as I put that t title, my wife says, I don't understand what you mean. Uh, why is very important now the Hispanic population? What, what made it special now? And what is this time telling uh, to the North Carolina, to the convention, and to the local churches? So we're going to see a few factors, but I don't want to go uh, deep in, in, in none of them, but I, I know most of them you know, I guess, uh, but if not, we're going to learn here together. Uh, but I want to advise you, this is not a generalization. It does not happen always in all the Hispanic churches or American churches. It's our case. It's our experience. That's right. So uh, we're going to be careful to be uh, saying things that apply for everybody. That's right. That's my intention. But what we want to show you in our trip is the tendencies that is happening now. The first thing is the Hispanic population in the United States is growing more rapidly than almost any demographic. The, the, the minorities, the Hispanic population has been uh, growing exponentially. Uh, it, that is, is a factor that affects the landscape of the church and the landscape of the missions in our country, but also in other countries. The second uh, as, aspect that I think is very important is United States is the second country with more Hispanic population in the world. Uh, I have some, some numbers. Mexico has uh, 108 millions of, of Hispanic people. USA has 60 millions, that is pretty much to this year. And Spain in Europe has 45 millions. So as you see, we are a lot here. We are a lot of people here. Uh, the second, the third thing, thing is uh, wrong there. Uh, the, the third thing is, uh, if you analyze some statistics, for example, Texas and California are American states that almost the 47 percent of the population is Hispanic. So that that means a lot, and we're gonna see later what is important that information. What is observing now today is the increasing. Uh, of American states, states, I'm sorry, showing same tendency on Hispanic population because the birth rate in the Hispanic population is higher than other populations, even American, and also because the people move. As, as you know, many people is coming for a, a better life, uh, for job, so they are looking for the job wherever they is. And depends of the economy of the state, depends of the geography and some other social circumstances the people is moving. And if they establish, that start repeating. So it's expecting that in future years, the population is still increasing, growing up in that, uh, with that tendency. Um, some experts uh, say that uh, now the South and North Carolina, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Minnesota are the states that is, start showing this tendency. 
growing of the Hispanic population. One of the, of the factors is the Hispanic population has shown more receptivity to the gospel than other groups, like Indian groups, like Asian groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But doesn't mean they are not sensitive to the gospel. Uh, what means is sometimes it's more difficult to uh, share the gospel with them because it's a cultural and language barriers uh, that uh, sometimes it's hard to, to break. That's right. Um, but in the Hispanic population, yes, sir? I don't want to interrupt you, but is, do you think that is because of the Catholic connectivity? I think so, yeah. I, I think the, the, the Catholic connection has something to do. Uh, I don't prepare that, but, but I'm going to answer your question. Uh, when you share the gospel with the Hispanic uh, uh, population, I don't know. Uh, the background is a barrier. But at the same time, it's a bridge. What mean with that? Yeah. Uh, for example, in the Catholic Church, Catholic Church, uh, they believe in the Trinity. So you don't have problems sharing the Trinity with them. We believe it, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You don't have problem with that. The problem is how they approach to the practical life, idolatry. Uh, uh, they, they, we believe, I, I use that, I'm going to use the term we believe because I was Catholic. That's right. Uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit that made miracles. Jesus didn't come here to save us, but to heal us, to do things for me. If you see most of the population, sorry, most of the Hispanic people go to the church for help. They are only really interested in the gospel. They are not really interested in, in the doctrine. They need help. And that's the first approach we have with them. That's right. Because the gospel and the church in the conception of the Catholic church uh, and other uh, religions is that the, the church is a social issue, not a doctrinal issue. Uh, is that, that's very important. Uh, and also, when uh, that happened to me when I uh, approached to the, the Bible, really reading the Bible, not believing I read it, uh, uh, when you read the Bible and, and I start thinking, wow, that, that's not what they teach me. That, that's not what taught me, I'm sorry. Uh, that's not what the, the word of the Lord says. Uh, so we are wrong and we need to change that. Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit. You have a question? Yes, uh, my, my mother's husband is a Catholic and they're from Connecticut. And, uh, and I understand what you're saying. I mean, he was raised a Catholic. He was an altar boy. He was everything. You know, he, the liturgical services where you come in, you take a mass, you do all these things, and, uh, you know, you go to confession. He was used to all of this, but then he came down to one of our services, and I, there was preaching, and there was an invitation, and there was where he can step out of the pew, and he can go pray, or, and he wasn't used to that, but he began to read the Bible and think, let the Scripture speak to him, instead of coming in and having to do all these things. That's right, yeah. And yet, I guess that's similar to what you're saying about Hispanic people. They've been taught a certain way, but when they see the Word of God themselves and let it speak and they begin to read, then they begin to respond just like they should to God's Word and exactly. men's teaching. That's right. That's, that's correct. So um, the other thing, that, that's why I think part of the... the the statement that we say that is more receptive is because the gospel is very similar. It's, it's different, of course, we know that, 
but the differences uh, are not showing up too much until we approach the scripture. That's, I don't know if the idea is, is correct, but pretty much. The other thing that we need to know, the Americans need to know, the American church need to know, and also us, is that, that the population, the Hispanic population, has the highest percentage of children and youth. So that information is going to be very interesting uh, uh, when we um, continue. And the, uh, something that this morning the, the, the pastor says, uh, Milton um, Holyfield, is we don't need to go, not exactly like that, but we don't need to go to another country. The countries are coming here. That's right. So the missional uh, area camp is not going necessarily to out of the country. You have it here already. That's right. But it's, it's necessary to change the mind and culture of the church to understand that and do some strategies that help us to do that, to, to reach the people for the glory of God and, and the gospel. I have had some demography profile here. I don't want to go deep in that. Uh, you can find this information. Here is the reference, Pew Research Center, a religious religion landscape study. But what I want you to notice is America has been evangelical for a long time. That's right. And the Hispanic population has been Catholic for, for, for the same amount of time. And as you see, the people that say it's evangelical in the United States is the 46.6% in this information, and the Hispanic is only 19. But if you see the Catholic uh, reference is exactly inverted. So that makes sense. The statistics help us to understand. One thing we were talking about before we come in here, we're noticing that most of the Hispanic churches, there's, there's really not many. The few that are in Alexander County where we go, where we pastor, the few that are there are either uh, Assemblies of God or Church of God. That's right. Almost, almost all That's the awesome. Hispanic churches that we see, even outside of our county, are taught that you can lose your salvation as the first That's right. of the saints. And I don't know why the Hispanic population is being either drawn to that, but but yet they come to our Bible schools. Uh, we have several Hispanics come to our Bible schools to bring their children. I, I, I think that I have some idea that can help answer that question. But if you leave me uh, a little bit of time, I, I'm going to follow. And we're going to go there. Uh, if, if you want a, a better explanation, if you have time, we, we can work with that. Okay, the, this uh, information is is telling us that in Rutherford County, the area I'm living, uh, where the church is, uh, you see the, the population, the total population of the county is 67, 810. And one of the things we are looking is, if you see the average age, this is American population, is 41 to 43. And the population, the percentage of population that is 18 years and over is 77.5. If we compare with the Hispanic population, you, we're going to see that our population, uh, 
under 18 years is 41%, and 18 to around 44 or 45 is 52%. So if you add this information, you're gonna see what we say before. Our population is rich and has a high percentage of children and youth people. So that information is clue in a strategy to reach the Hispanic population. Uh, we're gonna see what we are doing and how uh, it works. The third part is um, we see the obstacles and barriers, but I'm gonna, I, I gonna think, uh, tell you that instead of see that, see challenges that you can overcome. And some barriers become breaches at the same time. So our journey is understanding what is happening in the dynamics of the, uh, the landscape of the church, Hispanic church and American church. So some factors that you need to know, this is a generalization, but as I said at the beginning, we have to be careful with some, uh, some statements. But in general, when we came to another country, every migrant... Uh, doesn't matter the, uh, the background, sometimes the migration uh, is very traumatic because we don't know the reason. They are running for their life, they are running uh, uh, for uh, drug dealers, uh, guerrilla, whatever. And migration is always difficult. That part has to be sensitive with the American church when trying to reach the Hispanic church. And not only Hispanic church, Asian, uh, Chinese, uh, doesn't matter what. It's very important that the American church be sensitive and understand some cultural differences. One of the things is, if you see the statement, what separates us, unites us, uh, makes sense because we are called Latin or, or Latino or Hispanic. But this happened to me. I, I, I am a lab tech. I didn't mention that. I, am, uh, I work in a lab laboratory in the county where I live in. And when you go to work, everybody say, "Ah, oh, hello, how are you? Where are you from? I'm from Colombia. Oh, Pedro Escobar, guerrilla, cocaina. And that made me really, really discouraged and mad. Because we are knowing with a label, I'm not narco-trafficking, I'm not uh, guerrilla, I'm not nothing of that. So you have to be sensitive with that kind of things. Uh, my answer was, do you know Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Nobel Prize of Literature? Do you know sports? Do you know Shakira in the music? Do you know, we have a lot of good things in our life and in our country. Unfortunately, we have the tendency to stereotype, I don't know if it's correct, or put a label on the people, and it's something that they, we have to be sensitive. Why? Because uh, we, in a new country, with a new culture, with a new food, with a, everything new for us, make that we lose the sense of belonging. We don't belong here. I'm here because my situation, but I really love my country. That's right? And, and also, uh, you're going to say, but uh, many times 
we mean uh, people see us and they say, are you Mexican? If we speak Spanish, are you Mexican? That's all they people know. And for us, at the beginning, it was a little upsetting. Now we know that... We understand, yeah, exactly. Not everybody that speaks Spanish is Mexican, and that has to change the culture. And the other label is, no, all the... Uh, Spanish speaker is illegal or undocumented. Uh, yeah. well, you were saying in your church you have six different uh, countries. Yes. Countries. Okay. What are those countries? Just within your church. Uh, just to know, uh, we have Salvadorian, we have Honduras, uh, Mexico, uh, we are Colombian, um, Dominican Republic. We have members of Dominican republics, and uh, we have uh, for a few. Uh, uh, time, uh, Cuban, Cuban people, yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much. Okay, now what, what the conclusion of this part is be sensitive because the people is hurting and coming to this country to look for help. That's right, for work. We don't know the reason really, but sometimes hurt, hurts the people Labeling. You're Mexican, you are undocumented. When I started working in the hospital, was the first question. Do you have papers? You are legal in this country? Uh, wow, it's hard. Exactly. So don't assume that. Just be, be careful, sensitive, and where are you from? Oh, I'm from, oh, it's the first person or whatever. See, to me, when I meet, meet anyone, if you know, I assume they're Hispanic or, or speak Spanish or whatever. I don't never think green card, no green card. I don't. I don't think that. Sometimes I've had people around, like around our farm, that have worked, and then they would come to me and tell me in confidence, you know, I'm not legal. Uh, I'm working here for like cash for my boss and That's all right. this stuff until I hope to be legal. Actually, we have some people in our church that are uh, uh, from the Philippines and. One of them has become an illegal citizen this week. And they just messaged me when I come in here. But we, I never ask them questions when they come to our church. Yeah. Like, you're here, we're, you know. So that's interesting. Yeah, but, but you see, I read an article. Unfortunately, I don't have uh, the reference here right now. But surprisingly, uh, the Mexican population uh, is more legal than the, the people believe. Uh, most of the population, I am not sure the, the, the statistics, but around 70 to 80% of Mexicans today are legal, are or residents or citizens. But it's a misconception that most of them are illegal. Because the, the, the press say too much about that part, but not all the other part. So it's kind of bias. Uh, when they give information. Okay, but the, the main thing is be sensitive with the culture. The language normally is the, the main barrier. Also, we have the demography that I showed you before is because we need to understand that the, we have different generations here. I am the first generation in this country, that's right, but my, my, my family, my sons, and my daughter is second generation. Uh, we don't speak too much English in the first generation, but the second one is bilingual, basically. That's right? Bilingual, sorry. And uh, the other thing is they share 
the background in the life of, uh, they have uh, as Americans. They are more Americans than Hispanic, but they, they try to keep that uh, heritage in the family. So that's, that's very important. Now, approaching to the question before, it's important that you understand the, the religious background because the conception of the gospel is a little different. Why? Because this is the, the reason. The Catholic uh, Church and the charismatic church has a big an impact and influence in our countries. All the space that the Catholic Church didn't fill up, the charismatic did. So that's the reason, one of the reasons that we are more sensitive uh, to the gospel. But at the same time, it's a barrier because we are really, really loud. We talk a lot. We are very expressive, passionate, and sometimes that is not uh, good in the church. Uh, they are more conservative. They just have a piano. We have a band. Uh, we make a lot of noise. We scream a lot when we preach, etc., etc. That's right. But it's not because uh, it's the way we are, but how our uh, religious background shape us. I, I would say more the way we worship is different. That's right. Migration status is a big issue, uh, but we are not going to deep in that. And uh, what I said, the worship. I'm going to move a little faster because we don't have time. Uh, but this, the, second th the third thing we did is um, approach to the association. We need to learn how to deal with the church. And with the time, the, the people were asking me, well, what, what we are looking, we start looking for a pastor for more than four years. And say, well, what are we are looking for a pastor? You are the pastor. You are dealing with everything, with the finances, with the building, with the people, with the families. Why you don't do it? So I start praying with my wife, uh, with my family, and see what the Lord's going to say about it. And I feel that uh, have support in the community, support in the church. The association was a really, really great help. Um, and I take the decision. I, I pray with my wife for a long time. And the Lord says, you are called to serve. And uh, with the association, uh, the board uh, made me the, the test. And it was a board between Hispanic pastors and American pastors. It was really a good journey. Uh, very interesting. Um, but finally, I, I took the decision to to become a pastor. Uh, pastor. I have been a pastor for a year, year or two months, but I have been in the church for longer time. That's right. Um, some people that you know here, uh, William Ortega and Pastor Jairo Contreras, they work with the convention. Okay. The, sec the, the other thing that we did uh, in our community if we, was knowing, sorry, knowing the neighborhood. This is a very interesting story because uh, our church is located uh, close to a main road. And besides our is apartments. Uh, they are uh, apartments for people that has low income. And I saw that community for years. I mean, probably eight, nine years. But we never approached them. 
was when when the convention start start talking about the uh, pockets of loveness, that's exactly one, just beside of the church. So what we did, we start knowing the community, asking how many people live there, what is the socioeconomic uh, uh, background, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we take the decision to do a block party for them. They were our VIP uh, guest. When the churches around hear what we're going to do for them, they say, we're going to participate. One of the church joined to us uh, in that uh, uh, block party, and they say, look, I don't know what you did or what happened, but we are trying to reach that people for years, and we never were successful. And now you're telling me that you're going to uh, do a block party for them, and they accepted? What you did? I said, nothing. What we did is we went door to door. We present us. This is the Pastor William. This is the church. Um, we start involving with them uh, in the way that they know we, are there, we were there. The second thing we did, we did was we want you to know that you are important for us. And that is a great barrier. That's right. So what we start doing is, what is your need? Oh, I don't have food. Okay, we went to the, to the market. We bought food for them. Here it is. I don't have paper towels. I don't have a brush, teeth brush. I don't have this. I don't have. So with that, knowing the, necess- the needs uh, of the people is very important because that's the first approach. What a Hispanic people that uh, with a breaking English is telling me that loves me and that Jesus loves me, but I'm, I'm here dying. His, his family is break, uh, that, that doesn't have some el- basic elements. So the church says, I talk with the church, I said, look, we have to do something. We need to show the love of the Lord, but also that we love them. So we did a uh, package, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, um, with, with some uh, essential elements, uh, and we give it to them. We went door to door, and we went to them. After that, we did a block party. The other thing is very important. Is, I, I, I think is the, the best way to approach to them, uh, besides what we are saying, is praying. Normally, the 99% of the time, uh, if you don't, you don't, you can help them in some way, physical way, with food or something else. Can I pray for you? And the people say, do it. Do you have any concern or special petition? Yes, my wife is in the hospital or my father is dying from cancer, whatever. And when they hear, it's two things. The first thing is, wow, why these people is praying for me? They, they are interested in something. No, it's not. And the second thing is, we see the power of prayer. When they hear, we use the opportunity to preach to them, to, to, to present the gospel. I say, uh, we are praying for the mother or the father, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus. And uh, we thank you for our salvation, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And with that, we are sharing the gospel. And it's a, really a nice way to do that. So as you see, uh, we share the gospel. Hispanic people, no. 
White people? No. Doesn't matter. The important thing is you are praying for the people that the Lord loves. And that's, that's something that we have to be more sensitive now than before. That's right. So the other thing that you, you want to notice is we are using the whole church. This is the youth, some adults. This is my wife. And in another picture, we're going to see the children. So we are inviting the whole church. It's not the youth ministry, adult ministry, uh, children ministry. No, the whole church participates. And it's something that is amazing in our church because everybody participates. With little things, with little activities, picking up papers, filling up the bags that we want to distribute, uh, going to, to, to the market to buy food, whatever. And they feel that they are important. The children are so awesome. That's, that's what I love. They approach to me, Pastor, Pastor, today we're going to have communion. Uh, can I help you? Oh, of course, come. And I teach what to do. And it's a great help, but also is building in them confidence and building in them the sense of service. That's right. It's beautiful. Okay. The other thing that we are doing is the the association has a week every year to reach the community. This outreach is 18 American churches and one Hispanic church. Um, we go to the community to share the gospel door to door. We do. I'm gonna let my wife a little bit uh, share that information. And we do laundry ministry, and we go and wash clothes. You know that. So we never thought about it until now. We joined the San Juan Baptist Association because uh, they have the tools. They already done it. So all we need to do is join it. See, and uh, always the ambition was to the target the, the Hispanic population. But we realized that practically everybody needs Jesus, and everybody, and we were used, our youth, like as he said, is second generation. generation. They're bilingual. We're learning, but they're bilingual. We got the power. They, they're the bridges that we're looking for. So, and we do, in one of the events, we have a youth night, and it's for everybody to come. And we were invited to perform. This is our praise band, not us. But therefore, sisters, they're absolutely wonderful. And they, they learn instruments, they sing wonderful. So they invite us to, 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 for, to lead the worship that night. And it, was a, it created a lot of impact on them and the whole community, that we were part of something. We were a little piece on that outreach. And it was a whole week, people going to nursing homes, people going to shelters, and, and that was a, a, a good thing. But um, in our own, while we were doing this outreach, uh, we mentioned that we always wanted to take our youth to Casper. We never done it. We, we were just, this family go on their own and we go to know, but we wanted to take all of them. We didn't have a van. Well, in fact, we still don't have a van. But we thought, it would be great if we can go to Casper with the whole group. And one of those 18 churches say, I got a, a van. You can take it. We just need somebody to have to a drive it. license and everything. And he said, I had it. I, and I immediately. It. So it was a, a working together. And that's, we took this picture and this a church that 
That's the name, the name of the church that facilitated. This and you for them might be nothing for us was whole world, and that was the first time we went to Caswell. First time that they went as a group together, and uh, that strange every 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 youth like it. They've been so important that we gonna take them all in the band. They're not gonna have to worry about the parents take it or somebody dropping it. We all gonna be together, and that was a uh, special. We also uh, got start involved in the, the homeless shelter that they have, and we decide well make a difference. We're not gonna make a the same thing. Or the same thing. Let's make Hispanic food. Put a touch of kill that we care. And that day we fed like a forty or sixty-seven people homeless with tacos and tostadas and all kind of uh, Hispanic food. And it meant a lot because I heard many of the people say, we never come to this shelter and get this. We always get canned food and everything, but this is the first time. And that day, people took it home and everything. So they said, look at how special. And we make them, let them And you serve. see, you see the youth people, this is the old one. <laughs> uh, but this is youth people, uh, the child uh, group, all together working. I think that's one of the wonders of the Lord has been doing in our church all participate together, like, like I say, working together as one. Not only in our church, but showing to other churches, especially American churches, that they can work the same way. I don't see why not. That's right. Um, here is, is pretty much another picture about the same event, and our praise band always is a wonderful support because they speak English and Spanish. They were singing They sing in English without problem. They can uh, sing in Spanish without problem. So has been a beautiful asset uh, for our church, but also has been a bridge for another churches. What, what happened with that? What, what has been happening is the pastors around uh, our church invite us to... Uh, do the, the, the service, they invite me to preach, they invite the, the band to do the, the, the worship, and has been amazing. Has been amazing because we are really, really uh, participate, and that, that's something that we're gonna do. This is another, another shelter that we participate. Uh, we did the food the same, Hispanic food, as much as we can, and they love it, because it's, it's not always the pizza, the hamburger, the hot dog, Touch. It's a special touch. They said, that's what they said, this is real food. So that was amazing. This is a block party. Uh, and as you see, the youth, the, the children ministry, the, old, the elders of the church, etc. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is my son, uh, the middle son. Uh, we went to another shelter. Unfortunately, we don't have more pictures. And also we participate in Caswell. Caswell, the, the children, the, the youth group, the praise band, participate as much as they can. And they now are training our children uh, to play music. So we have a children uh, praise band and a youth praise band. So that has been awesome. Here is another picture. I don't want to... But you see, something that I want to mention, you see... Uh, Everybody's wearing uh, the, the, the logo and the, and the church. That makes us proud that we belong to something. 
because we lost, we lose the sense of belonging when we came here. And the people treat us like a, you are extraneous, you don't belong here, or is not sensitive. Ah, you're Mexican, or you are this or that. That label that we were talking before. I want to add it is like many of those families, this is the families, ours. We have nobody else. This is our, my cousins, my aunts, and my nephew in Christ. Because we all come, families, and leave everybody behind. So when you look at church, it's more together because you know what they need. You know they live together every day. They know who needs a job. They know who needs a, It's more together because we have nobody else. This is the family. Yeah. Uh, this is a picture to show part of the, uh, the team working from our church. And in the back is the American church to join us uh, to I do that. I want to point to something else. Uh, that church that helped us in that is event is across the street from them. He said that they've been trying to reach, but the people never went to that church. Well, after that event, these people came, and people were more sensitive, and the next Sunday, the band came and picked all Start picking the people. Something that I want to add to that is some, some friends and uh, fellow pastors with a good intention tell me, William, but you are not doing for the church because they don't going to go to your church. And it's true because mainly our church is Hispanic speaking. And, and I say, well, but the Lord don't, don't say in the world, I have to reach only Hispanic people. It's everybody. So probably they don't go to my church, but they can go to another American church that they feel better because of the language. But it's my job to reach them, not, not to bring them to my church. That's, that's something that we need to change in the mind of some churches. That's right? Okay. Uh, that picture, uh, the other thing, we, we have a, a special event uh, I don't gonna get, get, give you some details because uh, the time is sensitive here, but I wanna show you something. This is the conclusion. How we can approach to, to the Hispanic people, but at the same time, how the Hispanic people can uh, meet and uh, work together with the American church. First of all, develop a cultural sensitive. The first thing we have to do is know your neighbor. Demographics help. Don't tell you everything, but helps. How is the distribution of the people? Where is the people? What kind of uh, income have? All those demographic information are a useful tool to program strategies to reach the people. Okay? And that's in general, no Hispanic or American. In general, it's an excellent tool. Second, uh, secondly, you spend time with the community. The people like, like at the beginning, the, 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 the president of the association went to our church. His presence was very important for us because it's the support we need. Even he doesn't understand anything about the preaching. One of the, 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 our uh, members translates for him. And he says, I love this church. I love the way you work. You work like a machine, very, very greasy, you know. Perfect. I love that. Uh, but even that, for us, was a very important that he, his presence, the show up. The, the Hispanic is very sensitive to that. Um, remember, 
that not all the plans the American church have works in the Hispanic context. So that, that's, you have to adjust. Because sometimes they give us information, pamphlets, some things, but we see, no, that, that's not what they're going to understand. As I said at the beginning, the gospel is different. That's right. So they don't understand some language that we use. Justification, sanctification, uh, redeem. It's, it's sometimes, sometimes, not always, it's, it's a different language, especially at the, at the new believers. The mature may be understanding is not a problem, but the new believers. Uh, the communication is not only uh, language, uh, communication one another, but also is the expression of the religion, uh, um, the worship way that we do, etc., etc. That kind of language, my body language is different. That's right. So if you uh, try to reach people, be sensitive to that. One of the most important things was be inclusive and let them participate. That's exactly. It's not the Hispanic church is going to go with us and you stay there beside us. Uh-uh. Integration. Engage. You are as important as us, as another churches, and believe me, that's very special. Because you don't, you don't feel that you are filling up a space, but you belong to them. It's, it's really nice. Uh, what is the support you can do? Training, especially in leadership, uh, discipleship, um, evangelization. If you, you do that, those second generation people is going to be a beautiful asset for the church, Hispanic, and also for the American church. That's, that's a tool that we, we can use. Strategies to, to reach them. Think that the Hispanic population is very sensitive to family. The, the, the bonds with the family are very, very tight. And if you do activities that involve the whole family, you get it. If you do um, events that support uh, the children or the youth, I as a parent, if they take care about my child, they care about my youth, it's, it's enough for me. I feel happy. And I will, I, I will be there. And I'm going to help because we are very loyal and passionate. So if you get that, that's going to give some kind of revitalization to your church. That's right. You stop underestimating the Hispanic potential. Uh, we said before, the, um, the Hispanic uh, population now is better educated because they have access to the schools. They go to college. So the education has been improving during, the, during the, those years. So don't underestimate that they are inadequate. Yes, the first generation probably has or is, but the second generation is more educated. That's right. They are bilingual. That, that's, that's one of the assets we, we can work with. Um, the values, loyalty and passion, and of course the background that we talked before is very important because the cosmovision, the, 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 the way we see the world is very different and culturally affect the way we worship, the way we live, the, the way the things we believe. Etc. Etc. So one of the 
I put it at the end, but I think one of the most important things is when you get engaged with the families, with the people, you start working with the sound doctrine. You need to restore the biblical restoration. We need to go back to the beginning because we were bad teaching uh, with doctrines twisted. So that's very important. But when you straight that in the, in the leader of the family or, or the person that go to the church, you get a good, good, uh, good beginning because that person is going to become a leader for the future. And that's what the people need, not only in the Hispanic church, but in the American church. I know you had mentioned about the integrating the, the Hispanic community with the English-speaking church, but how do you do, like, I mean, how do, where do you even start? I, I think the language barrier for us, I don't, I don't know Spanish, and the language barrier would be just something that it's just overwhelming. Yeah, to, that's true. To bring it to together, um, but I, I see the need. I've done a demographic study within our community. I work in the public school volunteering. I see the Hispanic community is there. There's a presence, but it's either Catholic church or Pentecostal church that they're going to. There's nothing else. But I don't even know where to start. Like I don't know, I, and it's just overwhelming whenever you start thinking about it. I talk. We were talking about a Hispanic uh, pastor in the community. He's either Church of God or Assembly of God, and he brings his children to my church. He's a pastor, and he started a church. And he came to me and he says, uh, is, we was wondering if your church could help us. I'm right, like we're going to jump on board. It don't have to be the denomination, but his church is real adamant. You'll lose your salvation. You'll lose your salvation and stuff. And then there's a part of me that's like, well, I want to help the Hispanic community but I don't want to send them to the church. They don't have to do everything like me, but I'm telling this is a doctrinal thing. And it was like, I want to help you so much, but, and I asked him, I said, uh, perseverance of the saints, Calvinism. Yeah, he says, they don't hang in there, they lose it. And I said, I, said oh, I love you as a brother, and I know that you believe in Christ. And it's okay to, to have differences, but I said, I can't. We can't just jump in there and support you. We're telling people they can have hope, but it might be took from them. I th- what do you do with something like that where you want to help a church that's Yeah, that's, that's really hard. I, I, the only thing I can say uh, is it's not an easy answer, and not all the situations are the same, and uh, the approach to those situations is different, but I think that I have three words for you, and is see the people, doesn't matter what, with compassion because the Lord has compassion for us with love and with care and I believe that those barriers that you mentioned the language the, the, the culture and everything uh, the Holy Spirit is going to work with that when you reach a person that is willing and able to help you work with him one to one don't leave it. Don't send the information. Read the Bible. No, be with him like Jesus did with the apostles. That's going to bring the opportunity to connect with the person, to engage, to, to, to be relational with the person. And then use that person as a bridge. 
uh, as I said before, uh, I think the second generation is the one of the good assets we have because they are bilingual. So that that part is very important. The the other the other part that you saw in the in the presentation is music. The Hispanic people love music and even don't understand what the English music say. They they follow the beat and everything. Music if if you if you Exactly. Because they they like to see, they like to feel, they like to. Do. They move the feelings. So if you you have a praise band, try to accommodate some Spanish uh, sings, uh, easy, uh, with a good uh, beat, and of course I prefer that uh, gospel related, Christ related. Uh, but you know, most of the people is listen music now in different. Uh, I guess the king's praying the Lord of the harvest that he'll send the Spanish people. Well, um, I just want to add something. It's um, like a good way to start would be, because that's one of the things that we do at, at our church. Because um, I got to Calvary Winston-Salem and we have this, well, the American church, we have this program um, that is for Hispanic children. So there's like, it's like an after-school program. And what we do is like from 6 to 8, Mondays and Thursdays, we're there, we have like 30 minutes of like teaching the Bible and Bible lessons. And then we have a food, uh, like 20 minutes um, for dinner. And then after that, we have a tutor, like an hour of like tutoring, math, English, um, from like kindergarten to sixth grade. So um, it's all Anglo, it's all Americans teaching and uh, tutoring Hispanics, uh, kids. So once you get, like, like the pastor said, once you get um, involved with children, the parents will gonna get involved. Because yeah. Because they, they are really familiar. So once we like, once we see the kids on there, like, all, all the parents are like, so, okay, I see what you're doing with my child. Like, where should I go? Like, what, what should I do to, like, help with the community? So, yeah, that's one of the things that we, like, been doing. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. And um, God bless you.